Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another brand new episode of The Roundtable, where we discuss the latest Game Nights episode, all of the very interesting questions and things that came up during the game, what you commented on below. And this time we have a special guest. Of course, it's the player on the show. It's Ashlyn Rose here to join us. Hello, Ashlyn. Hello. Good to see everyone. And unfortunately, Cassius can't be here, but we're going to get his perspective through digital means like we did last time with uh, our last guests. Yeah, Cassius will be coming in with clips, answering a lot of these questions. Uh, so he'll definitely be present. And that's good because this was a controversial episode it in was. some respects. <laughs> a lot yeah. of stuff happened. Yeah. Just a little bit. Uh, before we get into it, a, a few quick caveats. Our goal is to answer the most asked questions, most commented on moments that we receive on YouTube, on Twitter, Facebook, regarding the episodes. Uh, if you would like to have your comment shown on air during one of the roundtables, the best way to do that is to watch and then comment within the first 24 hours because mm -hmm. that's when we're pulling the comments and then doing the roundtable. If you're much longer after 24 hours, we still love you for you to comment, but we've already shot the roundtable, so it's hard to then use your comment. Yeah, if you don't want to comment, just find a comment you agree with and thumbs it up. There you go. That's another way to <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, we're talking about the Game Nights episode, and we're going to be discussing everything from it, including who won. So spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. If you haven't seen it, well, click through and go watch it. I'm, if YouTube's smart, it's going to be somewhere over here, I think, or here. It's going to be on the side of your screen. <laughs> it's going to be right? somewhere. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, we cannot, it's, it's a spoiler show. We can't talk about it without spoiling it, right? Yep. Uh, and the final caveat that we always have, you are not dumb. We are not calling you dumb. If we comment, take your comment, and we show something in the episode. In fact, a lot of the times, uh, Josh has said this great, when someone comments about something and it happens a lot, it's actually kind of incumbent on the team editing it to see, oh, this wasn't conveyed clearly enough or this wasn't clear enough uh, in terms of what happened here. So your comments, thank you for making them. Please continue to make them. We'll always be looking at them from that light. Yeah, definitely we are not calling anyone dumb or stupid for asking questions. Uh, in fact, there are many times where we just straight up make a few mistakes within the episode as well. So uh, it's just fun to discuss that and have a nice, I don't know, post-mortem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. All right, let's start with a question for Cassius because <laughs> <laughs> he's not here, so we figured he should jump in first. There was a lot of comments about Cassius' hair. Yeah. I didn't really think about this, but he he literally has changed it every single time he's been on the show, and he's been on the yeah. show a lot. 
<laughs> this was his quarantine cut because it was looking pretty wild. <laughs> it was pretty long. Gorgeous locks. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to know, like, how does he choose his hairstyles? Why does he change it? So let's let's ask him about his hair. Um, I'm not really sure. I think it just happens. I choose to change my hairstyle just based on how I feel. Uh, my son is growing out his hair currently right now, so I'm just kind of riding along with that and growing my hair out with little man. So nothing in particular. Well, he looks good. So that's the, you yeah. Know. Yeah. I you mean, when you work it. out like 24 hours a day, every single day, you're going to look good, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ashlyn, are you jealous of his locks? I'm I know very jealous. Okay. Like I, I have a little bit of a wave here, but it's like a, a hot, messy frizz. I want, I want the golden locks. Mm, indeed. indeed. I'm jealous of his shoulders. <laughs> Yeah, there's Not a lot. There. There's a lot. I'm, I'm jealous of that time twister. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that soon. Oh, you yeah, will. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's start off with some general questions for the entire gang here. Uh, the question we always ask is, why did you choose the commander that you did to build your deck around? So, Ashlyn, do you want to start first? You played Karavek the Merciless. Yeah, I when I was looking through everything, I chose Karavek because I wanted to challenge myself a little bit. Usually I play a lot of big creatures and have a lot of creatures on the board. And I wanted to try going a different route with enchantments and using different spells and going a little less creature heavy and tapping into using other routes and game mechanics. Mm, interesting. It is always fun to challenge yourself and try new stuff. Yeah. yeah nice. I will also say that we always uh, preach, uh, hey, end the game, you know, let's, let's, get some, let's get some damage out there. Let's do something big. And so Karavek, when I heard you chose that, I was like, nice. Yeah. Can't wait to see what happens there. Well, speaking of that, Jimmy, you chose Rada, heir to Keld. Yes, because um, a 2-2 is definitely faster than the game. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> In some ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, Rada was interesting. Uh, I, uh, Gruul is a color combination that gets played all the time on the show, and very typically it goes into, like, lands matter, and it, that, to me, is a little bit boring if you just do landfall.deck. Um, so I like taking red, green, and seeing where else you can take it. Rada has a very interesting ability that gives you two mana whenever she attacks. Um, and I wanted to find a bunch of different ways to use that inside the game and sort of like have a red, green value engine going and get to play some cards that I typically don't play. And you see one of them is in the game as well. Uh, so it's Sunset Pyramid. So I like, I love those types of cards and clue tokens and all that stuff. So I wanted to find a way to play a red green deck that obviously still had ramp in it, but wasn't just about putting lands onto the battlefield. Uh, and Cassius played Tassiger the Golden Fang. So let's hear from him about why he chose that commander. I chose Tassiger because he had the best color combination. And... Uh... It just, I mean, had the best ability ability of the uh, commanders available, I thought. He just played Tasker because it had the three colors. I think he just played it because it was in that cool new border. Ah. The Tasker border was so nice. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. The animation was great, too. Yeah. And it's um, Tasker. I mean, <laughs> Tasker is very good. You don't really need a reason to play Tasker, <laughs> yeah. honestly. Like, yeah, yeah. it's self-evident. <laughs> okay, Josh, you are up last. Uh, tell us about your commander process because it was actually very different than normal. Right, so... <laughs> Okay, so here's the behind-the-scenes story of what happened. Originally, I chose Mangara of Corridor as my commander that I was going to play because I wanted, sort of like Ashland, I wanted a challenge. I wanted to try Mono White. And I built almost the entirety of the deck. Um, yes, and what did. happens, if you haven't heard our process before, is you know everybody picks their commander, they go away, they brew the deck, and then they provide the list to us. 
and we assemble the physical decks here at the office. We need to do that for a few reasons. Uh, the main one is just so we have control of which versions of cards are played because we need to have to be able to animate them for VFX. And some versions are really hard to animate as compared to other versions. Mm -hmm. So we just need to be able to pick which versions of cards and stuff like that. So most of the time we're using um, our own cards to build the decks. So we get the deck list back. <laughs> And I'm, I've built Mangora, and Jimmy's got Rada, and Ashlyn's got Karavik. And we look at Cassius's deck list for Tassiger, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's a totally different league than my mono white Mangara deck is in. And I, first of all, I messaged Jimmy and Ashlyn, and I'm like, hey, go ahead and make your decks a little stronger. Yep. <laughs> yep, because we're going to have to be able to compete with the Tassiger deck, and I'm going to literally have to change my commander because I don't think there's a mono white Mangara deck that can even play it, that can have any chance so then i yeah. switch to joira because i know that deck is pretty strong and can and can hold its own in a high-powered uh pod so yep yeah so that is how i chose my deck um and we're going to get into the power level and stuff uh later on in this episode because it is a big talking point uh out there so we'd like to address <laughs> it but anyway that's the story between why we chose all our commanders it feels bad for mono white not gonna lie <laughs> yeah. but i mean that's just the truth right like yeah. it, um, Mon i don't think there is a mongara deck no matter what you do that's going to be able to hang with like a very high powered tassiger deck. yeah so it was fun though we did get to play all four colors of magic in this show as people often reference in the <laughs> all four colors <laughs> all, <four>. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get into some questions about the game itself we'll start off with rules questions like we always do there wasn't very many rules snafus mm -hmm. or confusion uh in this episode, which I'm pretty proud of, actually. Yeah. For one, we didn't screw up a bunch of rules, and for two, we explained the rules pretty well, I guess. And one of the most complex stack interactions we've ever had oh in the show. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that stack. So let's talk about uh, the commune with lava. Uh, there is, this is a common um, mm -hmm. misunderstanding with spells that have X in their cost. So, well, let's play a clip. We've got a clip from uh, the game here of when Jimmy... The coolest play of the game plays his huge commune with lava. That's the biggest <laughs> commune cool. with lava I've ever seen. Yeah. Me too. And I'm going to cast commune with lava for 10. Uh, so there's two cast triggers. I have Ristic Study. And I have the Karavek trigger. Okay, so the Karavek's actually going to resolve first. Who do you want to point that 12 damage at? That is not me or my permanent. Anyone that's not me or my permanent. Okay, I will take the 12 damage and I will target Tassiger. Okay, Tassiger dies. And I will put him in the command zone. Oof. Since there was seven excess damage dealt to Tassiger, Torolf's gonna trigger, and I'm gonna point that seven damage at Joyra. Yep, Joyra will die. And she will go to the command zone. And there's five excess damage there, so Torolf will trigger again, and I'll point that damage at Snapcaster. Okay, Snappy dies, so there's four excess damage left. Yep, trigger Torolf again, and that four excess damage is going to go at Rada. Oh, sad. Rada's gonna die and go to the command zone. All right, so now there's two excess damage left. This is crazy. And I'm gonna actually send that right at you, Josh. Yep, I will take two and go to 30. All right. So the rules question was, why is Karavik throwing 12 damage when I cast Commune with Lava? Shouldn't the CMC of the spell or the mana value be two? And the answer is no. On the stack is something that happens when you cast a spell. When you put the spell out, it... It's levitating. It's somewhere. It's about to be resolved. And when it's out there, the CMC of the card actually changes based on what you put into it. So in this case, the CMC is 10 plus 2, where X is equal to 10. When the Commune of Lava is in my hand and someone casts something that says, hey, remove a card that's CMC 3 or less, then Commune of Lava is a 2 CMC spell, 2 mana value spell. This is something that's unique to X spells, right? So like Cyclonic Rift is not 
a 7 CMC spell when you overload it. But X spells specifically on the stack, their CMC value is equal to whatever you paid for X plus, you know, the other mm-hmm. costs. So, yeah, that is the rule. You can look it up. Uh, so, it, technically, we played it correctly, and it should have been the 12 damage from Karabek. But that is a mistake that uh, a lot of people misunderstand. Yeah. yeah. I think this has come up, this is the second time it's come up with specifically me and you, Jimmy. Because really? With our, uh, for during Kozilek for, I think, the, oh, the austere right. command. Yes, yes. <laughs> Why do we have to talk about that? <laughs> what? I'm just kidding. Yeah, that, that's true. That's a good point. I was like, yeah, there's no way she's going to have a CMC spell this long. It was no! seven or something, right? Yeah. It was like something a lot. Yeah. Never say that. There's no way, because then the, the end result will feel that much worse. You're better off just sip it, you know? <laughs> All right, so that was really the only major rules point that a lot of people had questions about. Um, but a strong theme of this episode, as far as the comments go, was that there was a lot of decisions during the game that uh, the audience was questioning (laughs) by all players. So we thought it'd be fun in this episode to give everyone a chance to sort of defend their actions, explain (laughs) what they were thinking in the moment, and then we can have a discussion and everybody can sort of weigh in. Obviously, during the episode, a lot of us were questioning the decisions of other players about something. So this is a time when we're going to get to hash some things out. Listen, Salty I was Josh. questioning my own choices. Like, Not like I didn't make any mistakes, by the way. We're yeah. going to get into that. <laughs> Let's let the person uh, who's not in the glass house throw the stones or something. Right, I forget right, to say. Right, something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. There's glass all glass. around us. There's yes. a lot of glass. Don't, don't throw stones. Don't be Tago in this case. Um, I will say one thing. Magic is a game and it is not a competitive environment when we play. We may play more competitive decks but everyone messes up so keep that in mind right we're not going to sit there and be like well you made a bad gameplay decision that wasn't rules based so we got to reset like that just doesn't really happen if we make a mistake that's human that's a part of the game i I like that about our show we're not trying to show up some weird perfect form of commander that actually never gets played in the wild right Right. most commander games you play at most tables i guarantee there are a lot of little rules and mistakes that are happening and that is how that's one of the things we like about magic and we're trying you know game nights is a show about showing our love and why we love magic so absolutely yeah no one's perfect all right well let's talk about um what some people are calling a broken deal (laughs) so uh well let's play the clip here to start it out of the deal okay Mm -hmm. Let's see, I'm gonna tap this and play Scheming Symmetry. Okay. Who would like to tutor with me? You choose, right? I get to choose two players. Ooh. But I will say I had a play and I tried for the betterment of all to not do it. So, you know, I feel like I have gained a little bit of hopefully goodwill from you. I will say, if you choose me, I can get rid of Mystic Remora and Talisman of Dominance. Oh gosh, okay. If you can deal with the Mystic Remora, Mm -hmm. Jimmy, Mm -hmm. I will let you tutor. (gasps) I'll do that. All right, I'm going to lay out what happens here. Jimmy, you can defend yourself, and then Ashlyn, I would really like to hear from you here. All right, so Jimmy promises Ashlyn he will get rid of the Mystic Remora in exchange for her choosing him as the second target for Scheming Symmetry, which she does. And then on Jimmy's turn, though, he claims that he needs three mana to destroy the Mystic Remora. Then it goes to Cassius. He just lets the Remora die on his own. So Jimmy never has to follow through on the deal that he made. But later we learn Jimmy had Force of Vigor in his hand, or at least appears that because he casts it later, which can be free to cast. So my question is, was this a case of Ashland's lawyers failing to include a time frame mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the contract with Jimmy? Or is this just straight up a bad faith broken deal? Jimmy, defend yourself. Ladies and gentlemen and people of the court, Mm. uh, I would like to first start things off by saying uh, I plead the fifth. (laughs) Multiple times this episode. Yeah, so um, 
Okay, well, you have a couple things to address here, I guess. Okay, the first is the broken promise. Yeah, I definitely did not go through on my promise. Uh, that is on me, but it is true. There was no timing restriction. I never said, if you allow me to fetch it up right now, I'll get something to get rid of that Mystic Remora and I'll play it on my turn. Uh, so that is a promise that I think maybe, you know, it, it's right. You can say, oh, it's your fault for not making the promise. It's her fault for not enforcing the, making that sort of the thing. So that was just sort of where I was at. I did fetch Force of Vigor out from my deck, so just everyone knows. Um, I believe the reason I didn't cast it for free is you I... You want to discard the card? <laughs> yeah, right. So like I wouldn't would have to discard the card to cast it for free. Also, you can't do it on your turn. Don't forget. Um, right? So you have to wait for someone else's turn to do it. Uh, so on my turn, I was like, well, I'm not going to not ramp. And if I can still cast this for free on the Mystic Remora, then I'll do that. So I pass the turn and I'm pulling the card and be able to, the ability to cast it, right? And then, uh, you know, Cassius decided that that was the time to get rid of it. So that actually makes a lot of sense to me. I forgot I about the clause where you can't do it on your turn. So if he had kept it around, you're saying you would have force of vigor it to uphold your end of the bargain. Yeah, I think because like right, had Cash has paid one mana into it. I know for a fact he's, he might draw another three cards as a result, and my force of vigor is going to draw him a card at the same time because it will trigger the Mystic Remora. So that to me is like, well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna see if he keeps it around, cumulative upkeep, and then if it is, then I have to exile the green card to do it. All right, Ashlyn, let me ask you, are you <laughs> buying this defense? I don't know, because I scheming <laughs> symmetry on my turn, didn't I? Yes, and so... But he, he, it puts it, it top of top library. Of library so oh, top dry. of library, okay, yeah. I mean, I was a little surprised, uh, not going to lie. I was wondering what on earth you could have gotten that cost so much, because there are cheaper removals. True. Um, but in all honesty, like, at the same time, by... By that point, I feel like Cassius has ar had already gotten like so much value out of it that it really didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like he got rid of it. So <sighs> broken deal. I do feel like it was a little bit of like, yeah, what are you going to do with that? I do think it was a little bit that you didn't hold up your end of the bargain. True. But yeah. But at the end <sighs> of the day, he got rid of it anyway. So yeah, I think threat. the the real thing that I should apologize for is that I end up using that force of vigor to get rid of your enchantment that you play on your turn. Yeah. <laughs> but let us not forget that it is that move that allowed me to swan to to, to stop hijack his swan yeah. song because he. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is it actually ends up saving us in a weird way that you it didn't does. Mm -hmm. because if you don't cast force of vigor, he doesn't swan song, and then I can't deflecting swat and stop the the first time choicer. So. We would have had no cards in our hand. Right. Yeah. So in a weird way, Jimmy, you saved us all. Yeah, I would like to use this moment to tell everyone <laughs> that says, are these games scripted to just look at what happened in this small discussion? <laughs> there is no way that we would ever sit around being like, okay, you then couldn't if script then. That. And yeah. then and then, it's like, good Lord, You'd no way. you like two yeah. weeks just trying to figure out that what, one, yeah. yeah, two turns. <laughs> and that's the thing, like... When it comes to, like, those types of deals, like, that's why it doesn't, like... It's kind of like, well, it really didn't cause a, it actually helped us it didn't cause a huge thing like and that's why you walk away and you're like i'm it doesn't really bother me because yeah. in the end like look what it led to yeah see my takeaway from that is just you know make sure that the lawyers put a time frame into your contracts from <laughs> yeah, now yeah, on. yeah yeah that's I, that's the learning lesson there yeah i think the last thing i'll say is that the three mana comment i kind of just said it to say it because there are everyone thinks of reclamation sage right in terms of like you oh, don't want to tip your hand too much yeah and i was just like you know it's this is how it's got to go i don't want to tell people it's an instant speed i can do it right yeah, like free, maybe cash yeah. plays another powerful enchantment on his turn in that case i blow that up right uh yeah you didn't actually say Hey, it, what I got cost three CMC, CMC also. I liked you. You did not technically lie. You said, 
Well, green is known for you yeah. needing three CMC to do things. Yeah, even though it's not a very true. Very interesting wording. <laughs> that is true. Green is known for needing three CMC to do things, but yeah. you didn't say that's what I need. Yeah. <laughs> very Truth. tricky. Well, keep an eye on Jimmy is all no, I'm saying. No, why no. Why do I do this show? <laughs> I feel like this is actively losing me value. <laughs> all right, let's move on here to Ashlyn's politics. Ashlyn, you had an... an Correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt as if you came into the game, you had already sort of pre-planned that there was a certain political move that you were going to employ when you were deploying Caravac. Before you answer, let's play the clip here. Then I will tap out again to cast my commander, Caravac, the Merciless. Sweet. All right, my commander is here. I'm super excited for him to come out and play because now we can really get some damage thrown around. But... I got a little bit of politics I want to try and employ. And so I have a deal for the table. Oh. <laughs> uh, hold on. Before you make that deal, there's a Rhystic Studies trigger. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot pay the one. Okay. I will draw. So, Caravac, the Merciless. Mm-hmm. My deal for the table is I will let you choose what that target is when you cast a spell as long as it is not me or any of my permanents. So, Ashlyn, you basically make the deal as soon as you play Caravac or you offer the deal that like, hey... Whoever casts the spell, when Caravac triggers, I will let you choose where the damage goes if you don't target my stuff. Is this premeditated something you thought about going into the game or? Yeah, I. it was definitely something I had thought about going into the game as like, what is a fun sp- fun spin I could put <laughs> on this? And I, at, at the moment, I had thought that that type of politicking could maybe give me an advantage and uh, yeah, that's something I premeditated. Now, what made you come up with you know that political maneuver? I Was got, it really just for fun, or? Yeah, I had gotten the idea actually from like watching people chat about like their favorite commanders on Twitter, and someone had posted that they really enjoyed doing that at their table, and I was like, hmm. that's a really fun idea. I should try it. And that's what I did, and uh, yeah. Jimmy, what what do you think about this political ploy? I said my thoughts in the interview, which is I actually like it a lot just because, you know, it does do the similar thing where it deflects a little bit off of you, even though you're clearly the one that owns the card. And at the end of the day, if you're in like a client, you'd be the one clicking on the things, right, to send the damage out. Um, so I thought it was actually really interesting because it gave other players sort of like a false sense of like ownership over it and being like, oh, cool, well, that's great. In that case, I'm not going to be afraid to play my spells, which is which could be to Ashland's benefit, right? Because if those spells are big and costly, maybe you think twice about playing them with Caravac out. But now that you know where the damage goes, it's like, cool, I'm adding another text line to this, to this spell or ability or whatever. Yeah, I think the reason I wanted to go with it, 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 it was a fun idea, but also knowing that Cassius has such a high power deck and that, you know, we're playing with blue players that have mm-hmm. counter spells and everything. I my my commander costs a lot for one. And so it I don't have a lot of opportunities to cast him. Mm-hmm. And so with that in mind, I wanted to have a safeguard for being able to cast him. So hey, it's not a threat because you're gonna have agency right. in when he's out, right? Like I wanted to make him less of a threat, so maybe I would be able to cast him more. And yeah, making people feel more comfortable with this commander being on the board and less scared of me and having more agency in what they're doing. Right. Uh, Yeah, good. I'm glad we're being honest now because I didn't believe you when you said you were just doing it for fun. There's a a lot of really very shrewd reasons to, to make this play. And I think that like 
getting to the heart of like why it's advantageous for Ashland to make that kind of a deal kind of helps you understand it. And I like what you said there about making it more likely to resolve, less likely yeah. to be killed oh, yeah. uh, is, is a really good reason. And I also think Jimmy nailed it on the head too with uh, uh, deflecting blame. So if she has a card and we play a bunch of spells and it kills somebody's stu- thing, it's like, well, I'm kind of mad at Ashlyn. But if I can make that, so it's like, no, I told Jimmy he could point it out, whatever. So it's really Jimmy decided, yeah. that you should be mad at. And just muddying the waters of who to blame for what kind of helps you out where Caravex concerned. So I thought it was a really shrewd move. And if I can get my opponents to focus on each other, mm-hmm. yeah. like, that's great. Like, if I can have Caravex do damage to other people, but it's Josh doing that damage to Jimmy... That's wonderful. I that that takes so much thinking and pressure off of me. <laughs> yeah, definitely like the pressure being taken off. Also, it would suck, right? Seven CMC commander, Josh just bounces it. Someone yep. does something to get rid of it back to your hand. That just that sets you back so far in a deck like that. That's exactly. trying to keep him out on the board. Yeah. And as you saw during the game, I I was didn't have a lot of card advantage at all, so I yeah. had to take as much of it as I could get any way I could get. All right, let's go to another broken deal. So later in the game, Jimmy casts his communion with Lava for 12, which we discussed earlier. And well, well, here's what happens. Who do you want to point that 12 damage at? That is not me or my permanent. Anyone that's not me or my permanent. Okay, I will take the 12 damage and I will target Tassiger. Okay, Tassiger dies. And I will put him in the command zone. Oof. Since there was seven excess damage dealt to Tassiger. Twirl's gonna trigger, and I'm gonna point that seven damage at Joyra. Yep, Joyra will die. And she will go to the command zone. And there's five excess damage there, so Tora will trigger again, and I'll point that damage at Snapcaster. Okay, Snappy dies, so there's four excess damage left. Yep, trigger Twirl again, and that four excess damage is going to go at Rada. Oh, sad. Rada's gonna die and go to the command zone. All right, so now there's two excess damage left. This is crazy. And I'm gonna actually send that right at you, Josh. Yep, I will take two and go to 30. Ow. So Ow, yeah, so yeah, so Jimmy, you say directly to her, and some people were kind of like, hey, Ashlyn broke a deal here. You say, because um, she says, it's 12 damage, you can point it where you want, according yeah. to my Caravic deal. And you go, go well, you, I'll let you point it, just don't hit any of my stuff. And, you know, all of our, all your stuff ends up dead at the end of that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Ashlyn, defend yourself. <laughs> well, from a bird's eye view, if you, yeah, wow, I did do that, and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that at the time because, yeah, when you zoom in, I was like, oh yeah, then I'll point it at Cassius. And so, technically, I thought, okay, I Caravec did not do that, and then Torolf did it. <laughs> so, in my head, it was all Torolf doing all the damage and therefore I did not break any part of a deal or anything. Uh, so, but then when you zoom out, you're like, Oh, I kind of did do that. Huh? Right. (laughs) Does the butterfly flapping swing cause a hurricane? Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm with Ashlyn here. I, she, you just said, she just gave you uh, control of the Caravec damage. Mm -hmm. And then you said, don't hit my stuff. And she did not hit your stuff with the Caravec damage, but then the rest of the damage is Toralf damage. And she never promised anybody anything about the Toralf damage. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because the Toroff damage, right, it's Toroff is making it happen, but it's because yeah. of Caravic's damage that Toroff is able to f- sort of splash it onto other things. I th- What if Toroff read it makes the original uh, source of the damage continue uh, to do the damage? Then, right? then it's a little, I it's think, a muddy, yeah. 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 <laughs> but Toroff is 
actually doing the damage. Yeah, that's all. Right? He just counts up how much excess was there. Now I'm now I Toralf am going to mm. Yeah, so But I, is the excess damage the same damage that Kervek made just place somewhere it's else? Not, it's not yeah, I don't then believe what it is. Is trample damage. Just the trample <laughs> damage. Was the a same? green card. It would be green damage. Ah, yes, right? that's right. You're right, you're right. Yeah. So he shapes the, the color yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, the interesting thing here is that I try to make the same deal that Ashlyn does at the beginning of the game with her Caravac, right? Or not beginning, with the, like, no, you choose. But my you're... lawyers would have advised me to, like, look at her entire board state and make sure you're not just protecting yourself from one thing if you're going to just say that. <laughs> you should have said, like, Josh's face or Cash's face, right? Because there's yeah. no excess damage for Toralf <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in or... that moment. But it might have been good for you for the whole board to sort of die at that moment, true. too. So. Yeah. Part of yeah. me, too, also wanted to give the control back to you, Ashlyn, because I, I was like, you know what? I, I don't want to choose anymore. I don't want to be a part of this this game, these shenanigans. <laughs> it's your fault. You don't want to get blamed. Yeah, and then I, I got a lot of things dead. So. <laughs> good job, There's me. no escaping. Um, oh, this one, I love the subtitle on it. It is Chain of Vapor Timing. <laughs> so at the end of my fourth turn, Josh, you uh, uh, you see that Narset's there and you want to get rid of it. Um, it's not actually the end of my turn. I think it's when I cast a second spell yep. because of your Ristic Study, you wouldn't be able to draw that additional card. So in response, you get rid of the Narset. You know, you're fearing a wheel effect and Narset's at three loyalty at this point and you bounce it. And then let's just, let's just see what happens on the table here. Okay, so trigger Ristic Study. I think in response to the Ristic Study trigger, I'm gonna tap for a blue and I'm gonna cast Chain of Vapor targeting Narset. Ah! So it gets bounced? Bounced. Narset is back in your hand. Sweet! Cash, you do have the choice to sacrifice a land and cast Chain of Vapor yourself. Do you wanna do that? Mm, nope. Okay. And now the Ristic Study trigger is still on the stack. Jimmy, do you want to pay? Uh, I will not pay. Okay, I will draw. So I'm bouncing Narset now because if she's not on the table, I can draw another card if Jimmy doesn't pay for Ristic Study. Also, I was gonna make this play anyway. I was just waiting to see if Ashlyn or Jimmy would get rid of her instead, but it looks like he's not gonna do that. So I might as well do it now. Okay, Cassius doesn't sack a land to continue the Chain of Vapor, but a lot of comments pointed out, Josh, why didn't you wait to Chain of Vapor before Narset goes to wheel, or before Cash's wheels, because you could see the spell in the second, then you could get rid of it in almost identical timing to what you did for your Ristic Study. Yeah, so, yeah. Defend yourself! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people were like, why don't you just wait till the wheel's on the stack, bounce Narset, then he, you get rid of his wheel, because mm -hmm. um, you would wheel at that point, but you, you wouldn't lose all the cards in your hand because Narset's no longer on the table and the wheel resolves. There was a couple reasons why I, I did consider that line of play and uh, rejected it. Because one, if I do it in the moment that I did it, I'm likely to draw that extra card off Ristic Study. Because Chain of, or sorry, because Narset was keeping me from drawing a second card during Jimmy's turn. Right. If, if, I, if I get rid of Narset now, Jimmy doesn't pay, I draw an extra card, that is what ended up happening. So I get an extra card there. And then also, I was like, well, if I wait, there's two things that could really go wrong here. One is he doesn't even have the wheel. Because mm -hmm. we, didn't, we didn't know he had it. I just thought he might have it. Yes. And two is he gets some kind of backup plan, like a counterspell online that he's now able to hold up, counter yeah. my chain of vapor when he goes to wheel, depending on what wheel he uses. And I, I believe at the moment that I did the chain, he was tapped out. So I knew it was going to resolve. And so in my mind, it was better to cast the chain of vapor. And it made it very unlikely he would be able to narset and wheel in some way on the same turn mm -hmm. and give us another rotation of the table. I get an extra card draw from the Ristic study, another rotation of the table to figure out an answer to it. And I just felt that that was a little bit safer than holding up a, an answer that he could potentially counter. Yeah, interesting. 
Yeah, I think also of note is that there is a chance that Cassius doesn't even replay the Narset. Let's yeah. say he doesn't have a wheel in his hand. Right. Uh, and that maybe he plays something else out. And then, you know, now Josh gets the, the full benefit, right? His Ristic study will trigger all the time. Yeah, that's another good, really good point, right? He might have a bigger play. He wants to make more, like, higher CMC. Yeah. In which case, Narset's not the right play to just deploy again. And, yeah, that was another consideration. Okay. All right, this next one is a pretty controversial one. It is the timing of a very particularly powerful card. So let's roll the clip and see exactly what it is. So I'm thinking about playing my commander here because then all anyone needs to do is play a three CMC card and I can get rid of Narset. But I'm pretty happy with what I drew this turn. So I think I'm gonna play something else. All right, so I think I know what I'm gonna do. Okay. I'm gonna set myself up and I will cast Fiery Emancipation. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> so this is a really powerful card. Triples all the damage that Ashlyn's gonna do, but it doesn't do anything right now and it doesn't kill the Narset. So what damage are you gonna be tripling when you have no cards in your hand? I just don't like this play at all. I think this is gonna go south. Aha. A lot of people were asking this, Ashlyn. Yes. Why did you play Fiery Emancipation right then? Especially after, well, I, Josh, you can probably tell the world what you were saying at that point. Kill Narset, kill Narset, kill Narset, kill Narset. <laughs> Right, and, yeah. So you had a choice there, really, yes. that we know of, which is play your commander, um, which would hopefully kill the Narset through whatever Jimmy casts on his turn, and you chose to play Fiery Emancipation uh, instead. So mm -hmm. defend yourself, Ashlyn. All right. <laughs> Rolling so. up the sleeves, <laughs> getting ready. He's All right. He's like, yeah. Buckle up. <laughs> so there's a couple things here. Yes, I could have played Karavek. I could have. Uh, I drew Fiery Emancipation that turn, I believe. Ah. Uh, that was the card that I drew. I was very excited for. And uh, I believe at the time I had Chandra on the board already. And uh, so a couple things here. There was a wheel that was probably going to happen, says the bird chirping in my ear, a.k.a. Josh. <laughs> he <And> was right. <laughs> I... I, I wasn't as scared for the wheel because I had Chandra out, so I could theoretically be drawing or looking at the top two cards every turn and casting something still, um, even if there was a wheel. And if I cast them, I had Fiery Emancipation out and could have played Caravac the next turn and be doing so much damage with mm, that. I so I would have been okay. In right. my is my core belief there. That That was my core belief in playing that card, and that's why I did it. Uh, my other belief was that I believed in the heart of the cards that Josh always has. And I believed that Josh was going to find a way, like he always does, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to find an answer to this problem. And lo and behold, I just want to say, what happened? You were right. You just lost your emancipation along the way, unfortunately. I did. I, did. Right. I, I, paid, I, sac I paid the cost. But, yeah. I mean, we got super lucky <laughs> with the swan song yeah, there. Yeah, and had Cassius, he says it, right? Like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should just let my Sylvan Library go. But my car the card I played still led, still led to fixing this whole problem. All right. What do you think of the play, Jimmy? Um, honestly, I... I don't know, right? There's a lot of cases to be made here because Ashlyn, if she is playing right, you are already restricting her card draw. You haven't gotten Phyrexian Arena to work for you yet. 
your loss is not as severe as Josh or Jimmy's loss in this case when you have to discard your hand. And like you said, you know, if it just means you're living off the top of your library, that's fine because Karavik would just be doing so, like, three times damage. It's insane. Um, and maybe that would have convinced Cassius to, I don't know, play a little differently. So it, it, I think it goes both ways. I don't know what I would have done in that spot. Maybe I would have just tried to play the Karavik. But the thing is with the Karavik, it also incentivizes Jimmy to play along and play a spell to, yeah. to target it, right? So there's a I mean, lot going a on there. Though. I don't know. I I'm mean, gonna, like, I'm gonna disagree had, with the play. I think already. Ashlyn, listen, you've kicked my butt enough times that I know that you're a good player. So it's not a reflection on you as a player. <laughs> but there's a few things I would think about in this case. Uh, it, one is the only reason you're able to cast Kervec in that moment is due to a, a non-land card on board, Chandra. So if Chandra dies, you it takes away your ability to play Kervec the next turn. So there's two ways this could go badly. Also, Narset's currently turning off your Phyrexian Arena, which. So it's basically worth a card to you to kill Narset. So even if yeah. Karavek dies, I think you're a little bit ahead in there. Also, Karavek's a thing we can see at all times. So I think playing Karavek first and then Fire Emancipation the next turn is a little more surprising. Whereas playing Fire Emancipation immediately says, oh, oh crap, we cannot let Karavek live because that's three damage. Whereas in the reverse, it's harder to stop it. Uh, I see, yeah. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, so I... Not just to because I thought the wheel was going to happen, it was bad. I, I do think it was probably the correct play, quote-unquote, to play Karavik in that situation. Now, obviously, I don't think you're crazy for having a, a line and a reason that that right. you know went the way you did. Um, I mean, but, there's also a world where Cassius doesn't have his Time Twister, and yeah. that Fire Emancipation goes on to just wreck a lot of face, you know? Yeah, and I think the other thing I was maybe hoping for... Um, was also that maybe my fiery emancipation was enough of a threat to maybe make Cassius want to deal with it. Maybe. Well, but the, one maybe. of the ways to deal with it is to is make it? us have no cards in hand, yeah. right? Yeah, so... Yeah, well, anyway, yeah. that's that's the way it went down. And you're right, though. It did sort of inadvertently lead to the solution to the whole time twister thing the first time around. Yeah. Yeah, so funny. it didn't go to... It didn't actually go as badly as it seemed that it went for us. Yeah. I mean, looking back, I would totally probably play the Caravac. But that was my reasoning at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's a lot easier to know the right decisions Absolutely. when you're looking back than in the moment <laughs> when the you don't know what's going to happen. And the cameras aren't going. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have this burden <laughs> in your ear. All that. So obviously we know what panned out here. Uh, Cassius tried to time twister with Narset out. Nope. And we just narrowly managed to stop that in a combination of Jimmy using the card that Ashlyn helped him tutor for on Ashlyn's <gasps> own card, which he tried to counter. And then I was able to use Deflecting Swat to stop the time twister. Wow. Okay, well, coming up, we're going to discuss some of the biggest moments in the game that we haven't discussed, including, Jimmy, why the hell did you give Cassius back that (laughs) hole breacher? (laughs) We're going to talk about that, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project 
in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, welcome back to the roundtable where we are discussing the top moments and debating things about game nights. Time Twister. Just time kidding. Spiral Remastered. Time Spiral Remastered. Yeah, I can't get Twister out of my head. <laughs> you um, just want to call it Time Twister the yeah. set? <laughs> I wonder why, because that card was Very pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, okay, so there uh, were a couple of really nutty stacks in this game, uh, and there was a really crazy stack moment at the end of Josh's final turn. Ashlyn goes to cast Colligan's Command, and, well, as written here in the, the outline, all hell breaks loose. And I'm put in this position. I have Vidal Ori out cards in my hand, and it's about to go away. So you know what? I got to dump my hand, and then the stack just gets nuts. So let's take a look at just how crazy it was. End of your turn. I will play Culligan's Command. Choosing two. I'm going to return target creature card from my graveyard to my hand. I'm going to target Caravac, and I'm going to blow up Jimmy's Vidalcan Ori. In response, I am going to flash out Underworld Breach. I'm going to escape Jessica's Will from my graveyard. I'm going to exile three cards. I'm going to spend three of my floating red mana and one green on the table to recast my commander, Rada, heir to Keld. I'm going to recast Jessica's Will with Underworld Breach, exiling three cards from my graveyard. I think what I'm going to do in response Okay. Is brainstorm. Okay, hold on, hold on. Uh-oh. So I'm going to flash out Hole Breacher. All right, so brainstorm's still in the stack. I'm going to tap two blue. I'm going to Narset's Reversal, the Jessica's Will. Okay. I'm going to use my one red floating and my last mana here to cast Burnout. In response to the Burnout, I'm going to pay a blue and a colorless, and I'm going to flash out Snapcaster Mage. So I'm going to target my mana drain. In response, yep. I will Fluster Storm. I will target the mana drain. Yeah, legit. Probably the craziest stack we've ever had on game nights, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely it's the there. one, right? Like, you could say this, the counterspell war, war between black and... You oh, know, with the Rachel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, wow, I can't believe that happened. But that stack was not nothing compared to that. how many plates were on this one. Yeah, so... First of all, a lot of people commenting, just loving the complexity of that particular stack interaction. And, uh, you know, yeah. I'm glad everybody was able to follow it. We spent a lot of time in post trying to figure out how to convey <laughs> all the moments so that you understood what's happening but didn't get confused. Right. Um, so I'm glad hopefully we did a good job for that. So the outcome of this whole thing was that I got overcommitted. Uh, <laughs> I made the mistake and of giving Cassius a treasure off the Ristic study because it's mm. a May ability. Yeah. And he's able to use that one mana. So it turns out to be a huge mistake to fluster storm and then stop my whole plan kind of immediately turns to rubble because I'm fighting you pretty hard, Jimmy, to stop yes. you from going off. Another Jessica's will, basically, right? Mm. Like a bigger Jessica's will. So there scarier. were, yeah, there was a lot of comments asking me, you know, why did I try so hard? Why was I throwing so many resources into that moment to try and stop Jimmy? Yeah, Josh, I just want to have some fun. So I will defend myself here. <laughs> um, so here was my thinking. Well, two things happened. One is I didn't really at the start of that think that it was going to escalate to the point that it did, <laughs> right? I'm like, yeah, right. I'll stop that. And then that'll be that. And then Jimmy's like, no, I'll do this. I'm like, well, wow. okay, I'll stop that too. And then he's like, no, I'll do this. And I'm like, oh, crap. I'm pretty deep now. I guess I'll stop that too. Yeah, right. You're pot committed. Yeah. As they say. Yeah. Yep. So I also think, I don't think people understand how close Jimmy actually was towards winning the game in this moment. So here's the thing about having Underworld Breach and Jessica's Will. If he gets one more piece that's putting things in his graveyard, he can pretty much draw his entire deck and have 
infinite mana. It's close. So let's imagine he has Wheel of Fortune or something like that he gets a hold of. He casts that. It puts seven cards into his graveyard. Jessica's Will's in his graveyard with Underworld Breach out. He exiles... Actually, I only needed a couple more cards because my hand was low at that point. Yeah, right? yeah. So I put even two cards in there, even like a, a Faithless Looting. Anything that just gets cards into my graveyard. So then he uses Underworld Breach to cast Jessica's Will again, gives him a ton of mana, exile the top three cards of his library, which he can cast. Then with Underworld Breach, he recasts the Faithless Looting or the Wheel of Fortune mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And what's that do? Puts more cards in his graveyard. What can he do with that? Cast Jessica's Will again. What's that yeah. do? Give him mana and cards. What can he do with that? Recast the Faithless Looting and the Wheel of Fortune. I've died to this a couple of times now. Jessica's Will, very, very powerful with Underworld Breach. It is, the, it is like the combo that if you don't see it coming... What happens is Jimmy ends up with like 40 or 50 mana in his mana pool. He's exiled the top three of cards of his library 10 or 15 times. One X spell kills everybody in that instance. Uh, so I was scared. The second time he cast Jessica's Will, I'm like, it's pretty dangerous. If, it, if we just let it resolve, it could be game over. It's possible. Uh, and I was already uh, committed enough that, that it was like, listen, is that likely to happen? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know what's in his hand. But also, like, I've already got two or three spells invested in this little fight and I could lose if I lose the fight. I probably yeah. better just try and win the fight. And so that last Snapcaster Mage into the mana drain. Remember, I was trying to get a hold of the Jessica's Will so I could get enough mana to kill the Hole Breacher before the Brainstorm resolved because I simultaneously did not want Cassius to get the enough mana, enough treasure to cast Omniscience on his turn. Yeah. So if I just don't give him that one treasure for Flusterstorm... I think the entire game is totally different. I stop Jimmy in that moment, kill the whole breacher, and he can't cast omniscience on his turn. But that one mana I gave him really, really came back to bite me. The so anyway, the ability, the thirst, you wanted those cards, Josh. <laughs> but we were one little mistake away from like at least pretty me, much guaranteeing yeah. survival for one more round yeah. at the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like who knows, right? I might not have drawn anything off that Jessica's will that would have gotten me to that point. But Josh, I think you were correct in stopping it because I was I had that manic look in my eyes, which is just like it's happening. It didn't matter that I had to do it right now, but it's still going to go off because Valknor is pretty crazy in that situation. Yes. Yeah, so that was my thinking, and that's why I went so deep, because I was actually worried about losing the game on the spot in that moment. And simultaneously, I was trying to make it so that Cassius couldn't cash Omniscience on his turn. So there was just a lot of right. things I was trying to juggle, and I dropped the ball. Huh? That's what happens when you try and juggle a lot of things. Yeah, sorry. You dropped the treasure, actually, on the Cassius' board, <laughs> and we all know what happens. Ouch. I Ouch. just wanted my commander back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about, speaking of your commander, whole breacher immunity here near the end of the game. You seemingly on purpose leaving whole breacher and letting it live through multiple chances to kill it with Karavek and or Toralf. Mm-hmm. Toralf really stands out because you would literally kill everything else, I think, on the board except for whole breacher, like right. purposely leaving it around. So a lot of people are asking, like, why leave whole breacher around? Ashlyn, defend yourself. <laughs> okay. Um, well, is there... Okay, first, before I defend myself, let's play the clip, because I have something to say. Okay. Okay. Okay, this is great. Toroff is going to work clearing out that board and making sure none of that damage is going to waste. So this Karavek and Toroff interaction, pretty cool here. She does leave the whole Breacher on the battlefield, though. I know she's keeping it there because it's stopping my Ristic study and she's scared of Gingataxius. But Cassius is about to cast Omniscience next turn. And I don't care what the position of the board state is. If a player is going to get Omniscience out, all bets are off. I would try and hamper them in any way I could. Yeah, so just leave whole Breacher alive. What gives, <laughs> Ashlyn? Well, <laughs> honestly, you had the Gingataxis out. And I really didn't want my hand size going down to one and you getting a, a, a complete reloaded hand at the time. And I felt like 
since it's still that same turn rotation, I'm going to have more opportunity to get rid of them with a tore off trigger anyway. So there's still time. Like we still have your turn. Yeah. If Cassius casts anything, you could kill over on Josh's turn maybe. Cause Josh had how it was like at three suspend counters. I think when you decided to go face with the damage. Exactly. And you still have, what was that artifact? The clock clock spinning. Yeah. Clock spinning. You still had, oh, no, clock... no, I had clock spinning, which is the buyback. Yeah. Uh, buyback oh, remove time spell that removes spell, yes. counters. Yeah. You still had the clock spinning spell. Okay. Let me just, I'm just going to help clean this up for everybody okay. out there because we're we're talking uh, <laughs> without naming cards. So Jingitaxius, I have suspended mm -hmm. with three yes. time counters on it, which you can see. It's not actually on the battlefield. So you're saying you were worried that I would rush that out with my clock spinning. If you remember, I did have to reveal that I had clock spinning because I killed the tireless tracker right. after the yes. toxic deluge earlier. So everybody knows I have clock spinning in my hand, which can remove time counters. So, and it has buybacks. So yes. on my upkeep, the next turn, I could remove two counters, then the one comes off naturally, and Jingitaxius comes into play. So you're saying you're, if Hole Breacher is out, you don't think I'll do that? Absolutely. Right. You're right. I, I wouldn't do it with Hole Breacher out, because then mm. instead of drawing seven cards, yeah. <laughs> well, Cassius would get seven treasure. Right. And exactly. But a lot of people forget that Jingitaxius has that other thing that means all of my opponents have a hand size of one. So you don't want to have a hand zero, size of one? It? Yeah. And so either way, like if I get rid of Hole Breacher, it's not helping me anyways. Like there's, I get null, it, it nullifies. Like get rid of Hole Breacher, I get Jinkataxis. So either way, I'm not getting an advantage off Phyrexian Arena. So like. Well, you can still get the draw off Phyrexian Arena, but you will have to discard, <laughs> you'll have to discard yeah. on your end yeah. step down yeah. to one card. No, it's down to zero because it's maximum hand size reduced by seven. Yeah. So unless oh. your so, increases it, yeah. Either so way, yeah, it's, it's no bueno. Like, no, thank you. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, I guess like, for you at that moment, Hole Breacher isn't stopping you. But a player right. like Josh, it is stopping much more. And if Josh is going to cast any spell on his turn, that could give you an opportunity to kill the Hole Breacher, I guess. And at that point, I don't know, Cassius seems like he has way enough mana to be able to do the thing he's going to do. So, yeah, I can see why on that turn when I cast the 12 CMC, um, Commune with Lava, why you would just keep going face or somewhere else with it. Yeah, I think... I think, because we're going to move on to another thing, which I teased before the break. <laughs> um, I think what's happening here is too much focus on one part of Hole Breacher's ability, but not enough on the other. So Hole Breacher stops your opponents from drawing cards, which is bad. And it is, of course, the thing that you think about when you're an opponent and they've mm -hmm. got a Hole Breacher. But there's another part to Hole Breacher that we weren't considering, I think, enough in the moment, is that it creates treasure for the user. So the fact that Hole Breacher is going to give Cassius treasure is really, really bad when he has a very powerful 10 CMC spell in his hand called Omniscience that it's going to allow him to cast because he only had like six or seven lands and one of them was mm -hmm. Mazevith. So Jimmy, my question, this is kind of related, so I just want to wrap it all together, yeah. is there's a point, um, before it's actually before this, I think, Toralf Tor Tor Karavek moment, geez, <laughs> um, where... He act Cassius activates Tassiger, and he, you ask him, like, what do you want back? He says, Hole Breacher, and you give it to him. Yeah. And so my question is, why did you give him the card that's going to give him the mana to cast Omniscience? Um, yeah, it's an interesting question. So I was looking at his graveyard, and the options, I'm sorry, not great. Uh, I think it was Toxic Deluge, Time Twister, and Hole Breacher. Um, you sort of like write damned if you do, damned if you don't. It, that's how I saw it and felt at the moment. I'm pretty sure those were the three cards in yeah, there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure too. I don't have 
many abilities in my deck that, right, like, I already know I'm going to get this commune with Lava. This is my big plan. This is the way I'm going to stay in the game. That doesn't draw me cards. It's not going to get stopped by Hole Breacher. And sort of similar argument, right? I'm not as affected by it. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to spend my mana all in this thing. People like Josh, though, are much more affected by it. It's stopping Ashland's Phyrexian Arena. So I think I just looked at the options and went, well, like, well, I don't want him another Toxic Deluge. That's just going to make things even harder to recover from. And I don't want him to Time Twister. Why not? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think in this case, I was okay with Hole Breacher because it just didn't affect me as much. And I didn't realize it was going to get him to that omniscience level until maybe too late. So. Yeah, because Time Twister, it doesn't seem that bad in that moment. Like, mm-hmm. eh, it just reloads everybody's hands. Like, it's not great that Cassius does that, but at the same time, it gets yeah. rid of the omniscience if he does it. I mean, this was definitely a very self-serving thing for me here, right? Which is like... I just want to be able to cast my giant commune with lava. I'm not as affected by this. I don't care that my opponents don't want this back. Maybe that's even why I want it back more, because I don't care as much as they do. So uh, I think the problem was, though, that it just funneled too much power into Cassius's already powerful deck. And then as a result, we felt, obviously, the effects of that as we died to an infinite combo type thing. I mean, does Time Twister, is Time Twister safe when we know you have a Jinkataxis? Yeah, it doesn't change that equation in any way. Yeah, I mean, this is where it gets really hard to talk about this stuff because you can just get into hypothetical after <laughs> hypothetical. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I, I, would, I, I, I guess if you think Jingitaxius is worse than him having Omniscience. Right. Which I don't, but... And he also only had two cards in his hand, right? He was, like, pretty low on cards as well, so yeah. I didn't feel as bad about that Omniscience. Now, obviously, I'm sure he's got tons of ways to draw more cards and, and reload his hand, but in that moment, you know, I think I was like, I'm not gonna... I'm fine with the whole Breacher. Also... Uh, and then maybe I'm just coming up with reasons after the fact. We do have a Caravac out, and Caravac is going to be able to point damage at that thing at some point. So I think, like, maybe in my head, too, I was like, it's, it'll get taken care of when it needs to, but I don't want to be the one to have to, to deal with it. And so and I don't want to get Toxic Deluged either, because I think that would set everyone else back in a way that we couldn't recover. I guess? I don't know. I, uh, I have one more question for you, actually. Yeah. It's, not a, it's not on the thing, <laughs> but you brought it up because I was, uh, yeah, is the Commune with Lava itself. Mm-hmm. Um, why not leave mana open? Yeah, why not do it for like seven? Because you did, we didn't, we didn't play it up in the episode, but one of the cards you hit off of it, and I don't know if you would have hit it if you only if did I it did, for seven. Yeah. So who knows? And and I'm not saying that it's the correct decision just because this would have worked in this case. Uh, but one of the cards you hit was Cross and Grip, which mm. would have saved us if you just had a few mana left over instead of yeah. doing it for the full 12. Like, did you look at it later and be like, I probably should have just done it for like X is equal to eight so that I could maybe cast some of the spells I get off it. Yeah, I think I was so focused on the text of Commune with Lava that says you have it till the end of your next turn to do it that I was like, I'm just going to do this then. I also had planned on casting that card at instant speed thanks to Falcon Orrery right before my turn started, you know? Right, uh, but you wanted to use the Rada mana. I understand yeah, that. A yeah. lot of people did ask, why didn't you wait until Cash's turn? But Rada gives you two mana in the moment you want to use it. Yeah, so I should have actually taken that two mana and held three lands back, right? Mm-hmm. so that I, I flip less, but, that way, but I'm able to cast the spell, that 3 CMC remove a target artifact or enchantment spell that everyone knows is green uh, on the right target. So that was definitely a mistake on my part. I think I got kind of sort of blood in the eyes, you know. Who doesn't? I smelled blood in the water. <laughs> I don't know, something about blood. I think you were pot, you were pot committed to this idea that like he's going to cast Omniscience, he only has a couple other cards in hand, and those aren't going to kill us. I was if wrong. you make that read, then... It is right to just be like, set myself up for my next turn, because after that turn, yeah, we got to get rid of omniscience and sort of clean this stuff up. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. All right, I wanted to reflect really quickly on play mistakes, because there's a lot of comments 
uh, that are kind of pretty disparaging about the play mistakes. And listen, we all made them, right? And I think I made the biggest one um, in the game, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, I already alluded to. Um, but every single player in the game made mistakes multiple times. Cassius ends up winning, but he actually makes the mistake of casting his swan song on Jimmy's force of vigor. Right. Uh, which was a pretty big mistake <laughs> that he's over to, able to overcome. You know, I don't want... I, I think people, like, they watch... Uh, content and gameplay and they're pretty mean about that kind of stuff and they act as if they don't make play mistakes or whatever and we're not trying to present Magic as a game where we don't make mistakes. If you watch the Pro Tour, the pro players that have right. been doing it forever make mistakes all yeah. the time. You can be a little more critical in that regard, right? Because that's uh, they're there to be competitive and to play at the highest level, but that's not what Game Nights is. I think it's fine to point out mistakes because I like it. I like to learn from them. Just, you know, you don't, you don't have to be mean about it is all I'm saying. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Don't be mean about it. Yeah, that's the way it goes sometimes. Please. Okay, let's talk about another thing that was a really big discussion point. And probably, it's not it's not like a specific question, but if you just grouped it, categorized it as its own talking point, it was probably the most commented on thing mm -hmm. in the episode. And that was the relative power levels of the deck in this game. So there's a lot of discussion and a lot of people saying that they thought Cassius's deck was way more powerful than the rest of our decks. Um, so I thought this would be fun to talk about. Okay, so, uh, Jimmy, let's start with you. Yes. What do you think about the relative power levels of everybody's decks in this game? Do you think Cassius's deck was way stronger than everybody I else's? I think Cassius's deck was stronger in a specific way, which is it definitely is closer to what would be considered a competitive EDH build. But in general, I think Cassius per card had a higher card quality average. Right, and I think that allows him to play powerful spells like Hold Breacher and, you know, Narset Time Twister, that sort of stuff. Right, but you know, those Narset plus Wheel of Fortune type effect is not something that people go like, "Oh my gosh, it's so broken and so powerful." It is very powerful, but that's not something that I think makes it like leagues and leagues above the rest. Now, I think the thing that adds to people's perceptions is how the deck gets played and the way that the player handles the deck can make it seem, I think, more intimidating, which makes sense. From Cassius being a pro football player, I think he knows how to present that in a way that makes it to maybe other people watching going like, oh my gosh, it's so unfair how powerful that deck is. But Josh, your deck can drop in Eldrazi on like turn four or five, right? Yeah. yeah. So If I draw them. <laughs> so that's, that's, yeah. that's the other thing, right? Like Josh's deck, his power level is different. It doesn't show itself until he flashes out that Jinkataxius or that massive, massive crazy creature spell thanks to his commander's ability. So I think it just gets represented differently. And so people can uh, overinflate certain things. How about you, Ashlyn? What do you think about the relative power levels of the decks in this, in this game? I think the power levels were... Um, I, I feel like they were pretty decent. I mean... Obviously, I agree with Jimmy as far as like a per card basis of comparison. But I also think that we've talked generally about like the process when we go into these games. And like at the core of every commander game that we've talked about as well is like you always have that discussion together of like what the expectation is when you come to the table. And we have that, right? Like we knew what Cassius was bringing. Mm -hmm. We all were like, hey, yeah, this is fine. Like, I was excited for the challenge. I was like, yeah, I'm going to build this deck and I'm going to try to take down whatever comes my way with Cassius or anyone wow. else. And I thought I built a deck that was strong enough to go up against it. And at the end of the day, I was really happy with how it held up against everyone else. So I felt like the power level was fine. Yeah. And I think that going like when we, when the discussion comes to power level as well, like when we looked at Cassius's deck, I think it's fair to say like, 
when we saw it, we're like, yeah, that's Cassius. And like to say, hey, you need like this power level and like this, this is too, this isn't right. Like that's, that's just asking Cassius not to be Cassius. <laughs> and like, I, I did, don't think like that would have been the same. Like I, I was yeah. happy with it and I was fine with it. Yeah, I think, <laughs> you know, I think the biggest problem with power level discussions in the format, to be frank, is that people are really whiny. <laughs> Somebody's going to win the game at the end of the day. And to say Cassius's deck was like so far above the rest of our decks that we had no chance in that game is as if you did not watch the game. I'm literally yeah. one of my own mistakes giving the treasure to Cassius off the May ability for Rhystic Study, which I did not have to do. If I don't give him that treasure, he can't cast Flusterstorm. I win the counter war with Jimmy. Whole Breacher's dead. He doesn't get any of the treasure. He can't cast Omniscience on his turn. And we know exactly what cards he then has. Thassa's Oracle diabolic intent yeah those are good he's gonna go get the best card in his deck he does not win on his next turn yeah and let, let's say that the caravic was out and then came the fiery mance uh, proc or whatever emancipation emancipation boom that could have killed someone in that very next turn right like who knows because that's so much damage flying around so there's a lot of things that could change with just one small alteration here or there yeah um, i thought my deck was pretty close to cassius's i think cassius's was the strongest deck in the pod for sure but i don't care what pod you play in one deck will be the strongest deck in that pod mm -hmm. right it wasn't by a gap that was so large that none of the other decks had a chance to win because i thought i had the second strongest deck but jimmy had a moment in the game where you didn't notice it but he was close to winning <laughs> right so that's three decks already. And I think, again, yeah, like we said, Ashlyn's deck with just a little bit of help. Like, he just happened to get Narset out. What if she can, what if he doesn't get Narset out early and she has five oh extra gosh. cards in that game? Who the heck knows what happens, right? Yeah, so, true. So I think it's crazy to say that these decks were not on a close enough power level to have a good game. You're not looking for decks that have an exact 25% chance across the board. It's impossible to set up, again, in the Pro Tour. These people are playing to win the tournament. Almost every single round, they'll go, oh, this this deck has a you know 62% win chance against this mm -hmm. other deck. That's the way the meta has lined up. You cannot build it so that it's always 50-50 at all times. That's just not the way that magic works. You have to have a combination of good variance, good decision-making to win games, ultimately. But sometimes, people are going to draw the right cards or whatever, and Cash has played very well. Yeah. So I think that these power levels were very, very good, actually. And anybody who looks at the game like this and says, oh, the power level was so far off that... You know, this is what I hate about Commander. Well, you're just not going to like very many Commander games you play in then because most games are going to have a deck that wins that game, right? Instead of looking at that deck and saying, oh, they only won because they were so much powerful. More or, powerful or they played this one card I hate so much, yeah. I can't believe they did. Why don't you yeah. look in the mirror and say, man, if I hadn't given him that one treasure in that one moment, well, then maybe I win that game. Yeah, I, I would also like definitely ask people to look at real CEDH decks. Th those have the ability to win on turn two and three sometimes. They're usually tutoring oh like gosh, crazy yeah. too. He wasn't tutoring very much. Yeah, he tutored only at the end, right? Yeah. yeah. So again, I think it's a combination of just like the perception of the cards. Time Twister obviously is one that makes people go like, what the heck? But you know, this is Cash's. This is his brand. It's literally bling and like really yeah. high profile cards like that. And I think also... Like if you watch, if you rewatch re the video and you watch all of us, like we're having so much fun. Like yeah. we really enjoyed like seeing Josh like somehow well, I don't know manage. How much fun Josh had at one point, but <laughs> I was As, having a lot of fun right then. Actually, <laughs> somebody almost had a heart attack. <laughs> I like telling people that I told them so. <laughs> right, let's right, be right. honest. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> but like, it's not like 
yeah, there's some scary, like having that like moment where it's like, oh my gosh, this could get really, really bad. Like having the high stakes there that like mm-hmm. makes it so much more fun. Yeah. yeah, that game had a lot of moments where your pulse was picked up as a player, yeah. right? That's one of the reasons you play Magic is you just have those adrenaline moments. So yeah, all right. Let's talk about something more fun. Yeah, the animations, as always, uh, so much love for the animations in the comments. Thanks to everyone that left a nice comment about that, especially the ones that talked about the ones you love the most. Um, Obviously, Sam Waldo, is he's been working on Game Nights now for quite a bit, along with Patrick Nan, who's helping him with the graphics. But we've got a bit of extra help this episode, too. Yeah, we had uh, some freelance help from Daniel Woodling and Jeffrey Palmer. Uh, There were actually some questions about the animations which we wanted to answer. So a few people were asking about Rada in particular. Rada is holding two swords in our animation. And if you know the card well, she's actually holding something else (laughs) in her offhand in the actual card. She's holding a severed head. Yeah. Do you know why that is? Why why did we replace the head with a sword? Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, we feel like we have an obligation because there are we do know for sure that there are a lot of young fans that watch the show. Mm-hmm. So it was just very easy to replace and not have a severed head. Uh, so we did that. Yeah, and they were like, are, are there going to be sound effects for the head? Is it going <laughs> to, like, is it going to shake, bobble? Like, we it was just to... hard to figure out what to do with it also. You're right. Yeah, like, do we, we have it gushing blood or something? Ugh, like, yeah, I, we, we don't really want to do that. We don't need to get there. really yeah. fast. Yeah. Go watch Game of Thrones <laughs> if you want to see severed heads. <laughs> um, oh, yes. So the toxic delusion is one of the most common things in the entire episode. There's just a tiny little at the end of that <laughs> uh, who decided that josh what was the, the the room like when that was the decision so jake added the fart noise in the toxic deluge as like half jokingly i think and yeah. then he played it for us and we all laughed and we were like oh that's great let's just keep it beautiful so jake as usual just coming up with those just the just those little things that that really get the audience uh give him a chuckle and it's toxic right you know so yeah farts you know all that big bubbling swamp of yeah. Yeah. Well, well, let's. I'd like to ask everyone. What was your favorite animation in the episode? Uh, Joyra. Ah, Joyra's animation okay. was beautiful. Yep. I like that you said that because if you look at the card, we we're like, okay, well, it's a commander, so we have to animate it, and we just stared at it and we're like, what the heck do we do with this? You know, because it's just like, it's just like a person from here, not and not apparently doing much. Like it's kind of chilling, looking. It's a lot easier when they have a sword or they're doing something, and you're like, well, we'll just have them swing right. that sword. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm glad you liked it because that it took us a little while to figure out what to do with it. But the idea of clocks and time really came. Into yeah, effect. and the the they just added that layer that made it feel really impactful too. I like that. Right. It was just, it was just enough to give you like the imagination of like what could be, but like it, it was it was perfect. It was just mm-hmm. that like oh yeah, that's Joyra. How about you, Jimmy? Uh, I, you know, I really like Joyra as well. That was going to be my first choice. But because he said that, I'm going to go with the Teferi, Master of Time, with the, and he's just stepping into it. Um, There's something really satisfying about that effect, like a center frame thing that just has someone emerging. Um, So I like that one quite a bit, too. Also having to do with time. Yeah, yeah that's true. We're right on. We're right on theme with the episode. Yep. There was something satisfying about those circles that just sort of chunk into place. Yeah, shoo, shoo. it's like just a feels puzzle, nice, right? I, yeah. I want to play with it. <laughs> Uh, for me, it's really hard to pick a favorite. Um, I really liked Narset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Narset, well, actually, we're going to go into this in a second here, but Narset, um, when she's speaking, if you notice, in fact, maybe I'll play a clip really quick here of Narset one more time. If she was in the montage, I don't even know if she was or not. You have no power here. So Narset, if you notice, like the, the mouth looked really good, uh, she, yeah, it did. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. Sam put in a lot of work to really make it look like that character was talking, and, and that was something I really thought turned out really well. When I saw her talk, I was like, 
holy crap, that looks like seamless. Yeah. Yeah. Rada really too good. had a similar effect. Yeah. So it's a thing that I know Sam and the VFX team has been working on because it's something we like to do, which is have the characters talk. They're called in the video game industry. They're called barks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when a when a uh, video game character just kind of has like a line that they say. And so the Barks, they're written by Jordan Pridgen, uh, first of all, who does all of our ads and stuff. And you've seen him on Extra Turns. He does a great job just coming up with really cool lines from the say. And then what we've done is we, we started recording the voices of people in-house, but actually also recording their faces so that Sam can use that to make the mouths move correctly. So Hole Breacher uh, was Manson. Rada was Lady Danger. Uh, Toralf, oh, the He-Man Toralf. I have the power! I love that. Was that so was good. Jake Boss. Uh, Jace, who you... The mouth didn't actually move because we wanted it to feel like Jace was like speaking in, in your head, head yeah, telepathically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was Murph. Uh, Snapcaster Mage was me. I like that. Of course. And then Narset was our own Ashlyn Rose. As well as Chandra. And Chandra. Oh, yeah. You were Chandra, too. And, <laughs> and Ashlyn, actually, and maybe we'll show a shot of it here, because we had to figure out the angle that Narset was at, and the camera's kind of a little oh, below right. her and to yeah. the left, and we had like Ashlyn like, okay, poke your chin up. And then say the line. And so now Ashlyn not only has to say the line and deliver it well, she also has to have the facial performance yes. down pat. And don't move and your not head. Move. Yeah, yeah, don't move your head because we can't track it and everything. But get the emotion right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the funny story about Narset, and we messed this up. It was my idea, but I just forgot to follow through on it. Oh, no. Because she gets played twice. Uh-huh. And she says, you, you have no power here. Ashlyn, can you do it for us? You have no power here. Nice. So... I wanted the second time because she dies and comes back. Oh. Her to say, or she doesn't die. I chain of vapor. Right, right, right. Back. I wanted the second time her to go. You still have no power here. <laughs> right, right. That'd be great. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, you still have no power here. Can you can you just read that for me, just so we could pretend? You still have no power here. <laughs> just a tiny <laughs> bit of doubt. That was oh, even that more was amazing. We didn't do it. Roll it. We're gonna re-end the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Okay, well, obviously tons of favorite animations, lots of favorite voice acting. About favorite moments. So what was your favorite moment in the game, the thing that you love the most? Uh, Josh, we'll start off with you. Oh, for, no, hands down, it was the crazy stack. Even though it turned mm-hmm. out badly for me and I lost it, I just love those, like, because we cut out a lot of it, obviously, for the episode, but there were so many times where we're all like, okay, hold on, what's on the stack right now? Yeah. Can, what order are they in? Okay. And then we like look at our mana counter cards and we're like, all right, I'm going to do this. Okay, now what's on the stack? Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. I love that complexity. Yeah, Ashlyn, how about you? I think, well, so I have a favorite moment within the stack moment. <laughs> uh, I think during that whole thing, like we just, there were moments during that where we'd be like, Oh, yeah, this is during Josh's instep, isn't it? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, you cast one thing and here we went. Like, we just kept forgetting, like, yeah, this is Josh's instep. And then my favorite moment of the game probably was, I think it was, I really, my, the whole point of building my Caravac deck, like, there's little parts in the deck that you get really excited for. And just the whole Toralf interaction and getting to have that happen, I was just really jazzed for, especially since it was a new set. And I was just really excited to see it go off. So just having the do-do-do-do-do with all the uh, yeah. uh, chaining of it. Yeah. That was sweet. That's the f- We talked about that possibility when we did the set review, but that's the first time I've actually seen Toralf just, like, chain lightning everything off the board. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. sweet. Okay, Cassius, let us know from wherever you are what your favorite moment was. My favorite moment in the game was the moment I knew I would win. <laughs> very, very easy answer. Very nice. Oh, yeah. uh, I guess my favorite moment, it's more of a compilation of moments. I really got away with a lot this game uh, in terms of like 
you know, typically I always find myself at like 15 life in game nights games or just commander games because I'm doing something or I'm just opening myself to get swung at or I'm paying life in some ridiculous way. I thought I actually had a really clean game. I was able to play a lot of cards with, uh, use the ability of Rada a lot, which was the goal of the deck. I wanted to be able to use that two red mana. And getting Vidalk and Orri out really early also is always a good thing. So, you know, that's and that cool. tireless tracker too, because the clues are so good yeah, with her, right? Yeah. yeah. That yeah, synergy that was, was really cool. That's like really the only real landfall in the deck, too, I think. And of course, casting Jessica Will Jessica's Will almost three times. It's pretty cool. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Yeah, because the next category is regrets and misplays. So did you make any mistakes during the match that you think may have cost you the victory? Yeah. Jimmy, we just kind of alluded to it. If, I, if you're going to talk about what I think you're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. So the first time I cast Jessica's Will, I'm looking for a land off the top. I flip an Apex Devastator and two other cards, Nyeth and then the Tireless Tracker. And I end up playing Fidalkin Ori and the Tireless Tracker. Now, on my board, I have one red-green on tap land. And I have a commander that can add two red if she attacks and add a green if I tap her. So I have two mana, but only one green available. So I can't do the Apex Devastator. But what I don't realize is that I have Bolligan Recovery in my hand. And I end up playing that as my land for the turn tapped because I was looking for a land. And so I'm like, crap. If I just cast Bolligan Recovery, I would have had tapped one green and then used two of the red from Jessica's Will. I could have gotten Jessica's Will back to my hand and recast it at that exact moment, flip three more cards off the top of my library. If I find an untapped green source there, I can 100% cast the Apex Devastator that turn right then and there. And I didn't do that. I mean, there's an if because you would have had to hit an untapped green source off of the yeah. second yeah. Jessica's Will cast. But getting an Apex Devastator into play that early in the game could yeah. have been, well, devastating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would have been pretty crazy. But That's so a that's, totally different game if you do that. the entire game. Yeah. yeah, but later on in the game, I realized I could cast, uh, cast Jessica's Will twice, so I did it then. <laughs> <laughs> uh Ashlyn, how about you? What uh, are your biggest regrets or the misplay that you think might have cost <laughs> no you? No regrets, Ashlyn. Nothing. <laughs> I regret nothing. No, I honestly, I probably, like, like I said earlier, I, I probably would have played Karavek instead of Fiery Emancipation. Mm-hmm. I just, I messed up my sequencing. I, I, I had the blood. I had the blood boil in me and yeah, I was me just too. like, all that damage, all that glorious damage. And I, I went with it. <laughs> so I, I think it's, it's, it's also like, I, I, were you scared that Karavik would get removed? Oh, absolutely. That, yeah. that, there's always the chance of that. Like, I, I was definitely 100% worried about that. Right. Yeah, I, I think that is a worry when I'm playing a lot of times that's like, ah, if I cast my commander, maybe it just gets killed. So maybe I just do this other thing that has a more likelihood of surviving. Yeah, enchantment removal versus yeah. creature removal. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's ask Cassius, even though he won, if he has any regrets, regrets or uh, mistakes that he thinks he made. I'd say yes. I think that I got too greedy um, when I tried to counter uh, the force of vigor. Um, either way, he was trying to get rid of my Sylvan library and I got greedy. I should have just let it go, got my seven cards and, and, and then just won the game nice and easy. So uh, that was a big, big mistake, big misplay on my part. Okay, and Josh, final one. You mentioned it probably three times now. Yep, it cost us the game. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ashlyn. I'm sorry, Jimmy. It's okay. Uh, we all kind of cost ourselves. I'm the game gu- I guess I'm not sorry to Cassius, but I'm sorry <laughs> to everyone out there for letting you down. If I just hadn't just knee jerk reaction, uh, given him the treasure off the Ristic Study when it's a May ability, and I don't have to give it to him, right? Then he doesn't fluster storm. I win that showdown i'd get the jessica's will i kill the whole breacher i brainstorm he doesn't get any treasures totally different game because he can't cast omniscience on his next turn Mm -hmm. and i think 
I'm not guaranteeing that I win or anything, but he doesn't win on his next turn and we all get another turn and it could be a totally different oh, game. It would have been so different. Yeah. yeah. And he's down to only a couple of cards. So, and, and yes, he can tutor, but you know, it's a totally different ball game at that point. So yeah, I really did. I, I believe that's like one of the biggest mistakes I probably ever made on game mm-hmm. nights. And you know what? A lot of people were saying like in the moment, why didn't you take it back? And I'm like, I've, I've been on record on the show before that like, I don't like taking things like that back. And also, like, that's not the type of game that it was in. Like, right. that, was a, that was sort of a no-holds-barred game. And I was like, nope, I made that mistake. And we, I'm going to have to live with it. Um, yeah, it's interesting when the no-holds-barred thing ends up happening. I think all of us kind of overcommitted a little bit at some point. Yeah. We're yeah. all just like, well, we're going in 110%. And Cassius is the ones like, I've been in the NFL. I know how to contr- like maintain my energy level at this high competitive <laughs> state. And we're all just like tired after one lap because we sprinted the whole darn time. You know? I just imagine like the we have like these speakers in the background playing and you just hear like the past the point of no return. <laughs> <laughs> And you thought there'd be no singing on this episode. (laughs) True. All right. uh, Ashlyn, any parting thoughts before we go here? Do you want to plug any of your uh, socials? You do a lot of stuff. Um, It seems like you're always on a and d stream or a a commander (laughs) stream or something these days. Obviously, we're going to put all of Ashlyn's uh, details as far as her Twitter or Instagram, her Twitch channel in the show notes. Uh, If you want to find Ashlyn and watch her, destroy people in various games then go ahead and and follow the show notes but is there anything else you wanted to say uh i mean i i always have fun on these things so i really appreciate everyone's support and i i love that you enjoy watching and enjoy the decks i build they're so much fun and i i will continue to build fun challenging builds (laughs) and uh yeah just at the end of the day remember like power level like again we all have a lot of fun and that we are all in this together when we decide these things and just keep that in mind when you go into the comments and everything and <laughs> yeah we signed up for this yeah exactly we, we made a choice we made an active choice of this <laughs> we did yeah you can find Ashlyn on Twitter Instagram and Twitch we'll have all the links of course on screen as yes. well as below and if you want to check out my voiceover demos you can go to ashlynrose.com Ooh. to hear them so yeah Exciting. and I have some fun animations coming out soon later this year oh I can't wait to see them then or just watch that Narset animation over yes. and over and, and over, over and over, and over again. again. I still don't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. And Cassius, of course, all of his information will also be in the show notes. His Twitter is Instagram. And uh, he started a card shop. He owns a card shop now. And it's called Cash Cards Unlimited. We're going to show some footage from it here on screen if you're watching on YouTube. Um, there's also a Twitter and an Instagram for his card shop. But also the card shop's really cool. I visited it. Oh, you did? You went? Yeah. It's like a high-end like vape shop or something is what it feels like <laughs> on the inside. But it's Cassius. So like it has the foiliest foil versions of, of like all the cards. Nice. I'm like, yeah, you walk in there like, oh, I want everything in that case. <laughs> and not because it's like like super, um, it's not moxes and stuff, but right, it's like right. the shiny versions, showcase versions of like everything. All like, that, yeah. yeah. I've only seen that stuff like online. Because you have to open 500 packs to get one of those. You right, know? right. <laughs> Which is what he does, I suppose. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. check it out. And uh, you guys can all see that online as well. And as always, big praise to the editors who spend so many hours making this happen. Uh, we have Jake Boss, as always, Josh Murphy, and a new person got to edit this one, right? Uh, Manson. He's been on the Manson. team for, for yeah, yeah. one other episode. So Manson is a full-on editor on the show now. He's nice. doing a really good job for us. So, Go yeah. Manson. 
Good job to the editing team. They work so hard to get these episodes out to you. So glad you enjoy them. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's the end of the episode, but not yet because you got to know cardking.com slash command zone is the place that you should go if you're not heading to Cash Cards Unlimited. That's our affiliate <laughs> link. That's how you support our show. And also, you can get some of the crazy cards that we played in this episode. You can build your own brand new deck. You have new sets coming out. Strixhaven is right on the way. And I'm really, really excited to see what they do with the two color pairings there. So go to cardking.com slash command zone to buy any and all magic products you need to get ready for your next game night. And the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. You get all kinds of cool perks. If you're a patron at any level, you get to watch extra turns and game nights earlier than the general public. Yeah. You actually, uh, the patrons help us a lot of times sort of find small mistakes and things that we sometimes have time to fix before the whole world sees it, (laughs) uh, which is really, really helpful. They're kind of like our test audience. They also get to talk to us about um, all the games on Discord. Jimmy and I are on Discord all the time. Ashlyn's in there a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, our whole team is in, on the Discord. So if you got questions for the team or you want to ask Jimmy and I a question, patreon.com slash command zone. Just join up and uh, you'll be part of our community. See you there. All right, everybody. Ashlyn, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, big thanks to Cassius for sending in his clips. And thanks for watching everybody out there. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.